0: Welcome to Pick My Book Podcast with Dr. Janelle Jones. In this podcast, we have candid conversations with aspiring new and established authors as they share their stories about their creativity, their book, and why they decide to write their book. So sit down and grab a seat and let's have a real conversation. Hey now, it's your girl Janelle Jones and you are here again on Pick My Book podcast, A Candid Conversations with Authors. Now, we are here again with the fabulous Miss Rhea Rodney. She is, we're doing part two, okay? We did part one last week, we're doing part two this week, where we are coming with the ladies of 2020, the year all the limits were served, finding optimism during adversity. Woo! So welcome ladies. Miss Rhea, I want you to just, I know you went last time and gave more detail, but just kind of for an overview, why 2020, the year our lemons were served?
1: Well, first off, I just wanna thank you for having me today and my beautiful crew of these dynamic ladies. You know, when we think of life in general, you know, uh, things always happen, right? But 2020, was an epic year. It was a year that will go down in history. And this book is just a book that is gonna be highlighting all the different things that we went through. And as we know, there's so many other people that went through a lot of things as well. But the main message here is how we were able to withstand, how we were able to rise during the adversity. And in this book, we're gonna hear so many different stories, some that are directly related to the pandemic and some that are not. But the main thing is that it happened within that time span. And what we are showing you is how we were able to be optimistic Because our hope is that when people read this book, that they are going to feel inspired, that they're going to feel encouraged, and that they're going to know that, you know what, even though I'm going through this right now, I know that better is coming. My brighter side of this situation is coming. And they will be able to believe it when they read each and every one of our stories.
0: Amen. I think the stories are so dynamic. So I really appreciate the opportunity to really share with the world because, it impacted us and it's still impacting us and we need to know how to find optimism during adversity. So thank you so much. Now we're gonna take some time to know or learn the new set of ladies that's here today. So we're gonna go around, do a round table and we're gonna allow them to quickly introduce themselves. So Miss Sonia, tell us more about who you are and what you do. Hi, uh, greetings to all of you. I am
2: Sonia Whitlock. And I am a life coach, motivational speaker. And yes, I am an author. And I really want to thank God for all the blessings that he has bestowed upon me, beside being wearing all these hats, I am the pastor of the Sanctuary of Praise Worship Tabernacle, as well as the manager of Belgrove's funeral home um, from the beautiful island of Tobago, and I've been serving uh, my community and um, I can't wait to have my book out published and uh, just to inspire um, people as a whole that they can actually take uh, all the negative things that they would have experienced in their lives once they trust God and see him come true for them.
0: Awesomeness. Now, let me go back because I forgot to add a disclaimer to this group. These women are now best-selling authors (laughs) <laughs> Can we get a high five and an amen? And we're going to allow Miss Grace to introduce herself. Hi, everyone.
3: I'm Grace Roseman. I am one of the best-selling international Amazon authors. <laughs> I'm really excited to be able to share my story with you all. I'm currently a health and safety officer, but I spent many years working in libraries and I love books. I love reading, and I love writing now, and I'm looking forward to sharing my story with you guys. I have already um, penned a couple children's books as well, and I'm hoping to publish these later on this year.
0: Thank you, Ms. Grace. Nice to know more about you, and I'm looking forward to those children's books. So Miss Jennifer, please introduce yourself.
4: Okay, hi, good evening everyone. I'm Jennifer Roseman-Batson and I too am an international best author. Yay! Thank you, Lord. I am currently a housewife, having recently um, retired from work. I am very excited about this experience, and I hope that in sharing my time with you or my experiences with you, you'll glean something from it and maybe going to help you guys as well in some way.
0: Yes, we know it's gonna help. Um, You ladies are in great hands, so I appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing your story with everyone, because I I know it will really help people who are struggling with overcoming, so thank you so much. Ms. Sharon, tell us more about who you are and what you do. Hello,
5: everyone. My name is Sharon Alexander, originally from the island of St. Croix raised in South Florida, Miami to be exact. I currently am an accountant with my own firm here and now in addition to that also an international best-selling author. Oh my goodness like that's the first time I've said it out loud and I am super excited about that. (laughs) An opportunity to share my story to empower and encourage others. I'm grateful for that opportunity. So I'm excited to be a part of this anthology. I hope that somebody, even if it's one body, can be delivered from
0: my story and can see positivity, even in the midst of adversity. We're going to talk about, y'all know I'm going to tell y'all, the listeners, to pass the collection plate because... You know, it takes a lot of courage to share your vulnerabilities. So I really want you ladies or listeners, not just ladies, I know that's not lis- that's listening, but really understand the courage it took for them to share their stories. And you have these personal conversations with them while sharing their stories. That took a lot of guts. And they gave you tools and equipment that you can use to overcome not just from 2020, but any adversity, which we all face. So you need to go get your book as well, amen. So Ms. Beverly, you're next. Tell us more about who you are and what you do.
6: Hi, my name is Beverly D'Souza. I'm Jamaican and I came to the United States of America in 2001. And my experience here has been has been wonderful. Back home, I was a teacher, I was a journalist. But always the thread was that I would inspire young girls to maximize their potential. I really, really believe in that. And also I'm on a mission to stop domestic abuse in whatever shape or form it comes. I didn't plan to come to America, but the Lord planned that for me. And so this book, I'm an acclaimed international bestseller and I'm hoping that my voice will be heard further on my mission this book is God's work Rhea took me under her wings and she's made it happen thank you Lord thank you and this is nothing short of a miracle
0: amen Yes, Ms. Rhea is like dope. So we'll talk about how you connect with her too. And then, Ms. Tanja, um, tell us more about who you are and what you do.
7: Hi, my name is Tanja Nanalee. I was born and raised in Miami, Florida. I'm an empowerment speaker, I'm a tax specialist agent, and I'm proud to be a part of this anthology. And I hope my story empowers someone else and encourages them proud to be an international bestseller
0: absolutely <laughs> so congratulations lady i just want to give y'all a round of applause like saying that you are a international and national bestseller is amazing to whatever you're doing it's just stapling your whatever your vision is is in that so i want to congratulate you guys because it took hard work to get there thank you so much miss Rhea, for being a visionary author in this so thank you so much so we're going to get down to the nitty-gritty now now we did the introductions now we're going to really get down into their heads we are ha- we're having candid conversations and we're going to really get down to like well, let's talk about really overcoming adversity so miss sonia with you, I want to talk about, you know, you speak of being emotionally starved and spiritually drained. I thought that was really amazing in your story. Yes, I did read your stories. It um, was really amazing. But ultimately, you had to learn how to submit to God's will. What was an aha moment for you when you had to do that? Sometimes God calls
2: calls us into a season of preparation and initially there is that, that weight. And sometimes it seems as if we have been moved from an advantageous position to being very disadvantaged um, from the natural realm. But during my season of preparation, I was very broken emotionally and spiritually because see, I could not see the entire plan of God for my life and. There were times that I was really, really, um, I would have given him some choice words because I just couldn't understand as a pastor and quitting my job, you know, I would have gone through a very rough time. And after God would have actually spoken to me that Holy Spirit, I remember I was sitting um, in my church and I was saying, this is what you call me to, right? So now I have to clean toilets and I have to clean the church. So then this is the plan after being qualified and all that. And I remember God saying to me, um, in whatever state daughter you are, you have to be comforted. And he said to me, I didn't call you to this position for a, a long time. I just wanted you to see exactly the type of people that you would be ministering to, which would be broken, but you didn't understand. And so in light of this, you would have to stay in the naughty corner for a little while because... You have been very disrespectful. And I had no other choice but to depend on the day to day leading of the instruction of the Holy Spirit. I became totally surrendered. And so, my aha moment in my uh, times of, or oh, I felt when I was in loadable, was when I saw the dots connecting as God fulfilled his every promise. I deem him as my all-sufficient God. Uh, from my appointment as the manager of Bell Grove's Funeral Home to my giftings and God blessing me with a million dollar property after I was renting. Um, and I realized that I was walking in purpose and sometimes we really miss them out because we God, God, just trust, just trying to say, trust me where you can trace me. And so I have seen that sometimes along the journey of life, it's not our will, but it is the will of God. And if we would only trust God, we would see just as he would have told Abraham, I want you to take your family. And Abraham trusted God. And so he saw God would have came through for him. And so I would have seen God bless me. My aha moment. Wow. Million dollar property. My aha moment. Becoming the manager of the funeral home. My aha moment. Touching lives. My aha moment. Having a salary. Wow. Mm. Beyond measure. I want to thank God. He has blessed me.
0: Amen. You you said something that was really powerful. You said Touch me where you can trace me. Yes. That was very powerful to me in the way that you had to move in, in, in faith. Where it wasn't seeing the whole picture. No, Martin Luther King Jr. has a quote, and I'm paraphrasing, so forgive me if I say it wrong, where he says, you know, faith is taking the first step and not seeing the whole um, stairway, right? Where, you know, we're trusting step by step by step and not necessarily seeing the whole picture. And God somehow, some way intertwines everything. At the end of it, so that's really awesome, and it's really good for the people who are feeling stuck right now, who are feeling lost right now, who are feeling emotionally starved and spiritually drained right now, to really take this advice and trust that wherever you can trace God, you can trust Him. So that that's amazing, Miss Grace. One of the significant challenges with the year 2020 was adaptation. Why is it vital? to be adaptable in a time of uncertainty. Why is that important?
3: For the very reason that you don't know what life is going to throw at you. It comes down, I believe, to survival. You know, how bad do you want to live? Do you want, and how do you want to live, right? So for me, it was in identifying the source of your strength and that place that you're rooted, that you're grounded, to be able to face whatever storms life will throw at you. And from the beginning of 2020, when the whole pandemic began, that was a time where I had to really look into myself to discover, okay, where where are you really holding, you know, getting your strength from? And for me, it really was my faith in Christ. It reminds me of a tree, a tree whose roots are really, really deep. And so that when storms come, when winds strong winds come, strong winds blow, you can move with the winds and you know, you're not that you break. And I realized for me that That faith in Christ was my root system. And so when things became really uncertain, I didn't know if I was going to see my family. We couldn't travel. I didn't know if I uh, would get through this. Would I contract it? You know, would I live? Would I, what would happen? And it was really being able to bear down uh, in my faith and realize that, hey, God is my strength and in him i could face whatever wind whatever storm that would come you have to be able to be flexible in that sense otherwise you can go crazy you could go you literally can go crazy by your fear by just worrying about everything that's happening about the things that you can't control about that uncertainty it can break you if you allow it so it's really 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 important that You find that strength, and I would suggest, you know, if you don't know the Lord, get to know the Lord Jesus, because for me, that was my strength in that time of uncertainty. That was my way of ensuring that I could adapt to what was happening around the world.
0: I I love the analogy that you gave the tree that's planted, and the roots are Mm. really deep. We all know, um, for the most part, wherever you are in the world, we all know that most of the places you will have some type of storm, right? Yeah. Whether it's a desert storm, whether it's a hurricane, whether it's a snowstorm, yeah. a dust storm, somehow, some way, a storm is taking place, right? When you're out your normalcy and these things seem to be coming up against you nice. or whatever. And in those times when you're rooted, yeah, you may sway, yeah, you may ha- go a little one way and this way. But you're still remaining in the same place if you're really and truly grounded. Because at the end of the day, change is going to come in regardless. It's going to come, that's right. I love it. So really, <laughs> the listeners, finding your ground, finding something that you're grounded to so that when it does come, because we know it's going to come, that you're not wavering. So I think that's excellent, Miss Grace. Thank you so much. Yeah, uh, Miss Jennifer. For you, you've experienced significant loss in 2020 from the death of a loved one to all kinds of kind of different g- grief for going through the emotions of 2020. How were you able to process your grief? Because that's a big thing that has happened from 2020.
5: Yes.
4: In fact, initially, I tried to ignore it or not I tried to put it as far away from me as I could have and try to get involved in everything else. I was focused on every other thing. I put myself into the children, the everything else, except to face the fact that, look, she's gone. And progressively, I would remember, you know, she believed in God. Christ was her savior and her Lord, and she began to, she lived her life to please him. And I held fast to that faithful hope that, we would see again sometime, we know that once we give our lives to Christ and we live according to him, to his rules and his precepts, that indeed, as the, 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 the Bible tells us, right? That, you know, we are absent from the body and present with Christ, with God. And that is what I hold on to really, that he is present with the Lord. And even now, when I may remember or focus on that, I just tend to simply that, Rejoice in the fact that, hey, she's present with the Lord. And any other grief or or sad situation, that's how I deal with it. The Lord is there and he will handle and listen with her.
0: Absolutely. Grief was a big part of 2020, not just with COVID, right? We know that this isn't a book that only deals with COVID, But grief was a big loss for so many different things like jobs and businesses and marriages. You know, it wasn't just the COVID-19 and people passing away from that. It was a lot of stuff happening in 2020. And as we know, the world shifted, right? Whenever we shift, there are going to be some losses. So I think that question was important so people can know how to process grief And really understand it because I feel like we're still kind of going through that that grief process when it comes to us as a world. So I really appreciate you sharing that. That's kind of like a taboo topic that's not talked about, and I'm glad that you shared that in your story. So please make sure you're picking up the book and reading that because we're we're hurting. We're really hurting from. Some of the devastations that left us kind of list in pain from 2020. So really look at those things and identify where you are in each and every one of these chapters in the book because I guarantee you, as a listener, you will find yourself. Miss Sharon, you're up next. So, Miss Sharon, you had to decide to close the door of your business. So, speaking of business in 2020, what steps did do you recommend? to the listeners or the readers to take when they're faced with failure?
5: When faced with failure, for me, I'm someone that I'm of a type A personality and anybody who's a workaholic knows what that means. I don't stop. I exert and I exhaust all efforts. So when I get to a place of failure, it's because I've exhausted all my efforts. And in the face of failure, I'm encouraging someone to tap into a higher power. Everybody has their own belief system, but I'm here to tell you that I'm encouraged. My Bible tells me that I find God when I get to the end of myself. And when I get to the end of myself, that means I have done everything that I could do to make it happen, to fix it, to try to establish something and nothing works. So guess what? Okay, God, where are you? What are you saying? What's the lesson? Give me direction. And so I will encourage anybody faced with failure to not necessarily see failure as a negative thing because it teaches you what works and what does not work. And it allows you to move to the next phase. But that's the point where you say, okay, God, how do I fix this? What's the direction that you want me to go to? And so that's my encouragement. And in my book, in my story, you'll see how many different ways that I was. Faced with failure, how many different things fell apart for me? And I had no choice because it's what I know. And for some people who are not born and raised with face based, you know, structure, I'm saying, like someone said, if you did not know God before, get to know Him now. I could not have survived 2020 without tapping into who my source was for every single thing. So that's my encouragement.
0: I love that you said, like, okay. It's, it's a lesson like I don't I didn't kind of like it feels personal I didn't take it personal I kind of like okay what do I need to do to get to the next step right so not so it's really about your perception of failure right whether and we'll talk more about there's a reason why I asked this question we'll talk more about that in our next round but it's to that person who, you know, may have felt failure in 2020, here's ways where you can really switch that perception to become prosperous or to win or to become successful. So make sure you, you get that because a lot of people are facing that now. So really get into that so she can show you ways that you can turn your failures into success. So thank you so much, Ms. Sharon. Miss Beverly Beverly, you're up next you got this next so Miss Beverly as a teacher what impact as you transition have on you and what effects are you still seeing today and I'm saying this as a teacher because I'm I live in Columbus Ohio and there has been some some issues with teaching so tell us kind of how did that go for you
6: for me, it was a big blow because I tell you, I had lost, I had left teaching and gone into journalism. But when I came here, my story is the immigrant story. I did the odd job until I found myself right back in teaching. That was my comfort zone. And then comes this thing that is taking me out of it. I, I show off in the classroom because that's what I know. I have this rapport with my students, and so they I find that they succeed if they can relate to the teacher. But this long distance thing, it doesn't allow for that much. You don't even know how to judge how well your students are learning because they could very well be i give them tests but you don't know if the 100% they got on the test was their own effort the all the answers are on the they are online they could have been looking you have no way of, of knowing for sure you just have to trust them you cannot give them the amount of time. When you're doing your timetables, your schedules, you give each subject the time that it deserves. When you're teaching online, you don't have that. You don't have the luxury of that. You just, you just do what the time the school allows you and let the chips fall where they may. So I lost the rapport with my students. I wasn't sure how much they were getting online. It it was hit and miss sometimes and then school ended and I lost my mojo.
0: So it's almost like you are missing that personal connection with your students. Yes, and that's
6: where my strength is in the classroom. I had often toyed with the idea of, of not going back in the classroom but i think if i leave the classroom what about those teachers who are just thinking that this is a paycheck what about the what about the kid that will get left behind you know you always have to have somebody who will care for the person who nobody else thinks will make it
0: i get it with that being said, you mentioned the teachers who do, do the paycheck or that lack of caring that some people may have. How did you see that impact the children? Because a lot of people were, were not thinking about like how the effects of not being in a classroom setting and being social, being around their peers. How do you feel like the COVID or the online learning impacted the students?
6: It had so much impact on them some of them counted on their teachers when they came to school to be that anchor. They weren't getting it at home. And so it almost feels each each crop of students that I get that I've not formally, but I have adopted them. And so you have this mothering, and then I'm a woman of a certain age, so, maybe I'm even a grandmother to them. <clears throat> I said before, that's my strength, that rapport that I have with the students. And, and it goes both ways. They teach, they keep me young because when, um, when my children were at home, they would keep me abreast of what was going on in the, in the young world. Now they're all grown. And so I counted on my students to keep me up to date, on par. If you're not there with them face to face, you lose your mojo.
0: Thank you, because that's a, a kind of like a crisis that was going on. And I yes. know it was probably nationally. So thank you so much for sharing that. Ms. Tanja, you work with women who've experienced trauma. And I wanted to talk to you more about what guidance would you provide? the world. As we know, COVID came in and did some stuff, not just to one city or one town or one state or one nation, but to the whole entire world. How would you provide guidance to a country or a world of people who've experienced trauma globally?
7: In order to guide someone, you have to be trustworthy and you have to be transparent. So me sharing my story and letting them know how I got guided myself, I will guide them through the different steps that I've taken, like listening to different musics with minister to my spirit, that's how I healed, um, guide them and identify ways to relax, um, allow them to talk about their experiences if they're not ready, don't force them, don't insist them on on helping them, like pushing them or forcing them to share their story. I would guide them to a different, guide them to a facility where they could get help. If I cannot help them as well, because I do have people that I have in my circle that that helps me as well. And I remind them that they're not alone.
0: They are not alone is a big one, because again, when we're suffering globally, all of us going through it's almost like it's this sign that keeps saying you know be nice to people or be kind to people they going through stuff like we're all going through something you know no no matter how minute it is or whatever we're changing so really learning how to just kind of deal with this trauma that has impacted our whole world so thank you so much for sharing that miss solia we're back to you um You went from working for free. And listen, I can hear in your testimony earlier, you talk about million dollar homes. So listen, to landing a job you were not qualified for. Why is it important to keep your faith despite adversity?
2: Yes, went from working for free to landing a job that I won't qualify for. God doesn't call the qualified He qualifies the call. And so I'm so happy that I walk in total obedience to the call of God upon my life. Obedience produces blessings. I want to encourage all of you who are looking on, if we should only just trust God, listen, he would order your steps. And so I remember I worked in the Department of Social Services where I mentored and counseled adolescent girls, so over 13 years, and my career path has been very healthy, and um, going to Bible school, and then becoming ordained as a pastor, I felt God was calling me for more, he said, Sonia, you're cheating me, I really want you to spend more time in your delivery to my people, and so I had to give up one over the other, and I said, God, where you lead me, I will follow. And so I quit my job. And I remember distinctly after my first ordination, God said to me, you will not take a dollar from this ministry. I will take care of you. I couldn't understand that. And again, I trusted God. And so I quit my job. And for three years, I would have been unemployed. I had a vehicle to pay for. And that was pricey. For years, I have not swiped my bank card because being unemployed for three years, you weren't able to be sustained. And that's why I was a little bit mad with him, like all of us usually would do when things not working out. And so upon being ordained and walking in the call of God, what I have seen is that it's important for us to keep our faith. Why is it important? for us to keep our faith. It's important for us to keep our faith because sometimes God calls us into that season of preparation, that season of preparation and waiting. And sometimes it seems as if we have been moved from one position to the other, it's important to keep our faith because during adversity we see where we are tempted to lean on our own understanding and so the word says know, that we will trust God even in spite of but God has advised us to trust his word and so the word says my word shall not return unto me void but it will accomplish and what I've seen it would have had great accomplishment in my life. And so I can vividly remember being very rebellious, being very harm hard-headed until I began hearing the voice of God. And I observed that the more I did God's call, as he called me during adversity, that was the more that God provided for me and caused me to lack nothing. And what I would want to say to all of you is that faith Is the only way for us to see God's bigger pity in our lives and reap all the benefits that God has and assigned for us on this earth. I'm of the firm belief that God has destiny help us um, to locate his children. And I'm of the firm belief that adversity is simply there to prune us and it's never there to destroy us.
0: I love it. So one of the things that you said when it comes to, you know, you want to keep your faith, you want to keep moving. But in the middle of all of that, we naturally when we see adversity come, we, we try to become Mr. or Mrs. Fixes, like we try to figure out a solution and then we start getting into more trouble because we're not leaning on god we're leaning on to our own understanding and then we find ourselves in bigger jams right but when we're able to trust god he's able i'm trying to find something you know i, I have essential oil, so just work with me <laughs> so he's able to take your, your essential oil you have this little bit he's able to take it and turn into this right and you so worried about replacing this as your story suggests He's trying to take you here, right? With the land of more than enough. And so it's really important for us to really understand and follow through on God because he's able to do way more. The Bible says exceedingly abundantly above all that we could dare ask or think. That's the message Bible. But that's what happens when we learn how to trust God in the midst of adversity. The listeners, y'all get that, write that down. That's where the offering plate needs to go around because- you know, we're all facing adversity. and in, in times like this, we have to learn how to really trust God and not fight God or run away with God. Even though we try to still, it's very important that we really begin to trust God. So that's amazing. So Ms. Grace, you're next. So Ms. Grace, you lost your mother during the time, but you sought counseling. With everything that's happening in the world today. And the reason why I've emphasized this because we're again, we, I know 2020 happened, but we still seeing the limits <laughs> from 2020. Yeah. So, yeah. in the world today, why is counseling necessarily when dealing with difficult times? Well,
3: for me, it was grief counseling that I had to get in particular. And that was a very, very difficult choice to make. I am not the kind that, enjoy speaking about myself or enjoy speaking about my feelings and I tend to close off right I would tend to bury myself in helping other people it's part of 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 who I am right and going through that time of distress you know all the emotions that go along with it the anger the sadness, denial, uh, even, you know, stress and, and guilt and there's so many different emotions that affect us when we're going through a grief and not being the type of person who would just voluntarily go speak to someone, uh, you know, deliberately, sometimes it may happen involuntarily. I had a very hard time in those first few months. It took someone I didn't even expect to really push me and encourage me to talk to some professional. And it really, really did help. Why? I think sometimes even when you are going through this breathing period, you don't want to speak to somebody who is familiar. At least that was it for me. Sometimes, you feel like you'll be judged, you feel like you would be uh, you know, misunderstood. And sometimes just an a stranger or an unfamiliar voice or face is what brings more comfort than speaking to someone who is close to you. And especially if that someone who's close to you is also grieving. How do you how do you get into that? So Taking counseling while it was a very hard choice for me, it turned out to be the right choice because it also allows you to navigate through those painful feelings. It helps you to, to sort through one and, and deal with each stage of that grieving process. And in doing so, I realized that I'm still doing it by the way, there are some phases of it that you, know, you have to continue but in doing so, it has allowed me to accept the death, you know, accept the situation I find myself in now. And with that acceptance comes a peace that really was, I didn't have it before. I didn't have that peace. It, it was eating away on the inside, eating away at, at everything of that, that is me. What you know, as I am able to accept now what has happened and the reality of the scenario, even while relying on my faith, because I didn't lose my faith. eh? It just brought me to a place where it was difficult to think. It was difficult to to even pray sometimes. It just couldn't understand what was happening. There's a lot of confusion. And the counseling really allowed me to channel the feelings, to to identify them and put them where they need to be. And in doing that, I have been able to see growth, (laughs) you know, going through that cycle and to come to a place of peace and acceptance and moving forward, which I think is part of the key of what counseling does, it helps you to
0: heal. I I think that this is important because there's such a stigma. Um... And many cultures and society when it comes to counseling that, you know, oh man, why do you want to go to counseling? You know, we don't need counseling or they assume if you go to counseling, then it's crazy or you're crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) so you're looked at like something is completely wrong with you if you do, but I like how you say, you know, you go to counseling to help you kind of cope and navigate your feelings. Um, because they, and a lot of times it's kind of making you feel like this is normal to feel this way, you know, because we we often think like, oh, man, I shouldn't feel this way. Like you said, the guilt, all these emotions that's going on, then we tell ourselves we shouldn't be this way or we got to stay strong and we're not, we're doing all this stuff, but counseling kind of helps you to uh-huh. not be okay, right? Like it's okay to not be okay. I'm glad that you shared that with the world. I have read something. I can't, okay, again, I'm paraphrasing. It was something about being a superwoman, right? We all know and probably have all been superwomen, one form or shape or another. And someone said, you know what? I don't even want to be a superwoman. I just want to heal. <laughs> yeah. Right? That That's exactly it. Yeah. So it's taking that and putting in a space where let me just feel, be, process, heal. And then move on. So I'm very glad that you shared that in your um your se- or your story because we need that. Miss Jennifer, as a leader, why do you feel others need to build a relationship with God after a disappointment?
4: Well, ideally, I think we ought to have a relationship with God.
0: Period.
4: That's where it begins. Because I actually he created us that is what he wanted relationship right and we were told that he used to to meet with adam in the garden in the cool of the evening and relationship is what took place see so even as we grew and we get closer to him and we develop that relationship we too begin to understand who we are and what we are called to do who we are called to be yeah also when disappointment or hardship does come Because we are so rooted in that relationship, that's what gives us the strength to overcome whatever situation it might be. That's what gives us the strength to hold on or simply to help another person in a situation. It wouldn't throw us, it wouldn't defeat us, we will not be defeated by it, but we have this grounding in that very relationship with God, see? So it's not simply after, but I would recommend before, during life, yeah? So when those disappointments do come, we are so grounded in that relationship that that that's where we get our strength from. That's where, like some of the ladies would have said, it's our faith in in Christ, our faith in God, that relationship that we have with him that allowed us to move on, to go beyond that disappointment.
0: And I like that too, like going beyond the disappointment. Because you're right, like if we depend on people, I think there's probably a 100% chance that they would disappoint us.
4: <laughs> that's life. And that's, that's what life. happens, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. But if we're if we're not depending on people, you know, for those happy moments, I'm not saying that, you know, if you're in relationships, you just go, okay, I'm the only person to make me happy. But in these moments, I'm so grounded in God that your disappointment don't take me out, right? <laughs> That's right.
4: And you could deal with it and maybe you can even give them an air as well, assist them in their challenges as well.
0: Absolutely. And it it reminds me of hearing a saying, you know, like the hurt people hurt people. A lot of times, you know, the things that people are doing is kind of like some of it isn't. It's their own issues.
4: It's their dealing with what they have to deal with. You just happen to be caught in the fire line.
0: Yes. Absolutely. And if we understand that from a healing perspective, then we won't be as hurt. Not that it won't hurt you or, you know, we're human, but it won't allow you to just be debilitated and then you can't do anything for two weeks. So I, I love that. I absolutely love that. So thank you so much. All right, Miss um, Sharon, now we're going to get to you. As your prayer life become more intense, because you said like you had to really like, I, I need to really get intense with God during this time. How did that help you recover from a business failure to be successful in business? Now I, I put that question, the, I put the first question in about failure because I knew you, you bounced back, right? This is your, your limits. This is how you overcame yes. your adversity. So you lean more into God. How did it help you become, or how did it help your business become successful?
5: Listen, Pastor Sonia started my sermon, and I'm going to try not to preach. (laughs) I know you saw me getting excited when she was speaking because that was my story. You know, my prayer life became super intense because the world shut down, which caused my business to shut down, which caused my finances to shut down, and it got me super nervous. And so I started to ask God, what is this? What is it that you're saying? What is it that you want? And he instructed me to move into the ministry that he had called me to previously. And I began to take a deep dive into outreach ministry. And I have been appointed by my church, by my bishop as the minister of outreach. And so what I do in this ministry is I give back to people that are less fortunate because the ministry he called me to is a restoration ministry. And he instructed me, he said to me while I was praying, mind my business, and I will mind yours. And when I heard that, I didn't understand what he meant. Of course, I know that God is a provider. I knew that he is a deliverer. I knew that he was so many different things to me. But if I mind your business, which is ministry, God, how are you going to mind mine? You understand what I'm saying? There are small businesses that can't operate, and those are my clients. There are people who are looking to incorporate and the world is shut down. These are my clients. I said, but okay, God, again, I had come to the end of myself. So I had nothing left for myself. So I had to tap into my source for everything. And when he said "Mind my business and I will mind yours, I got into ministry. I started collecting hygiene items for the women's shelter and was given an opportunity at that facility to speak and minister restoration because I had suffered loss, traumatic loss, even prior to the pandemic in my life. And that's when the calling came. So I knew about losing everything, having a lot, luxury, and losing it all, and being restored from that. And God had to take me through that. I had to lean on as she, I'm sorry, I forget who said it, not my own understanding, but what I knew about God. And I had to trust that. Okay, so now here it is. I'm, I feel like I'm back at that same place and I'm having to trust God and I'm having to lean on God. And he said, mind my business and I'll mind yours. I said, okay, God, I understand what you mean. I don't know what you're saying, but I'm, I know how to mind your business. So I got into ministry and was given opportunity to really help share my story, pour into others and turnaround shift started happening in my business as an accountant, You know, with everything happening, with COVID funding, God opened opportunities for my business to be able to function again. And I was like, wow, God, the deeper I got in my relationship with him, the more intense my prayer life became, the clearer I heard God's voice. And that relationship became comforting to me. That's how I kept my sanity throughout those those moments, that time. And he restored my business. He started giving me new ideas Mm -hmm. for business new direction, things that I was doing in the past that were no longer necessary in the moment. He opened doors for other opportunities. So I wanna encourage someone, you hear what everybody here saying it, trust your relationship with God. There's so much more in there than you think. I told God, show me you on a level that I've never seen before. I don't wanna know you how I've known you. I wanna know you different. I wanna know you better. I wanna know you deeper. And he began to show me himself. And in that, he began to restore my finances. He began to open doors for my business. And of course, to him be all the glory. Because he knew that once he did that, I would talk about it. He knew that somebody was going to hear my story of how I lost everything and regained everything, but I couldn't do it on my own. I had to get to the end of myself and tap into my relationship with God in order to be restored. So I'm encouraged and I hope that someone gains that from my story. Listen.
0: I, I heard so many things that you're like, so many ideas start going through my head. Like, Oh my gosh. Basically what I'm hearing is you allow God to come into your business and be the CEO or the COO or the CFO yeah. or whatever. Oh, right. On, um, he can't, <laughs> he comes in. Um, like you said, I mind his business and he took care of, or you mind his business and he took care of yours. So it really makes me think or makes me come to this point. When you're faced with a failure, you can reset. A setback is not the end of your your life, okay? She prospered in a a year of like craziness because she trusted God with her business. What you can do on your own, like this is a whole sermon, what you can do on your own, God can get you to that place in six months. If you just listen to him, she said, let me, let me get to know you deeper. Let me see more of you in my life. And he showed up and he showed out. So you have the same God That's on your side that you can do the same thing with instead of you tapping out, giving up, quitting, you know, going to these depressive thoughts and depression is will. I'm not real. I'm not taking anything away from depression. Here's your time to reset yourself and lean into God. Listen, God gave her ideals. God said, no, this don't work. Do this, do that. And she began to do those things and prosper from them. Like. Y'all need to go and buy the book today. Like y'all can't sit on that. Okay, what did these authors do to get out of this place of adversity? Come on, y'all. Y'all slipping. Y'all need to get the book. Okay, and Miss Ria is gonna tell us how to do it. So, Miss Beverly, I want to um, shift to you. You had to. You had to make a um, a shift in your mindset to keep from drowning in depression. What are some things that you did, because this is a great point, to shift your mindset or what helped you to shift your mindset?
6: And that's exactly what I had to do. It's my mindset that I had to focus on. I had been accustomed to to being a boss lady. I ran a newsroom back home and then I came here and I was... Feeling like a, I was literally nobody. I wasn't, I wasn't licensed as a, new, as a teacher in New York. And so I had to start at the, the bottom as a teacher's assistant. And um, I started out taking the kids to the bathroom one-on-one. On, and I started feeling less than. And all the advice that I used to give young girls and other, other women, I didn't take for myself. And so each day it chipped away at me. I was only a boss in, I, I got a job, my last teaching job was as a lead teacher. And there I picked up and I was, I was feeling myself. And then I separated and I started to feel, I separated from my husband and I started to feel vulnerable and things kept coming at me. All the adversity in the world kept coming at me, one at a time, one at a time. And the COVID was, was kind of the, the final blow. I didn't get COVID, but the whole COVID situation was the straw that broke the camel's back. I'd had to downsize from my apartment. And no, I, I was renting a room. And I was feeling some, some kind of way. But it seemed to me, you, you will read in my story, that everything came to a head. And I was forced to look at God. I was forced, I, I was like a rebellious child. Yes, I'm serving God, but in a haphazard kind of way. I would get up and go to the shelter on a, on a Saturday morning. Or I would serve in, in the soup kitchen that my church runs. But I wasn't giving all of myself. And this, I was forced to, in this time, face the fact that I needed to do kingdom work and so it is a work in progress it's like God put me on a back burner it's like he says to me okay you stay there and simmer I have all ingredients and when all ingredients come together I will put you to work you will be ready for the table and that's where I'm at right now all the things together. He's teaching me empathy. Mm -hmm. He's saying it's not enough because I have a kind heart, but it's not enough to feel sorry for somebody. You need to do something about it. You know, in a practical kind of way. All right, so you're in your house lonely, but what about all those other people who are living alone? And so he forced me to focus on them I would call them up talk to them and that's where my storytelling skills came in and I started out with my grandchildren so we have we have granny time I don't get to see them because they're not physically they're not all physically near me I have five grandchildren but I get to have a zoom meeting with them on Sundays. And here is where they learn all the things that I would be teaching them as a grandma had I been meeting them face to face. So they know the route and I teach them future skills too. And I'm still on the back burner. Empathy is a practical way. So you you teach people where they could get food. Them going in this time when food was short, you hook them up with the pantry If they couldn't go for themselves, you called up the place and made sure that food was delivered. That's, That's the kind of thing that I had to do, become proactive in kingdom work.
0: Proactive in kingdom work. Another thing I hear is gratitude. You know, like, although you had to shift a lot of things from what you were used to, the boss lady, you know, when you had it, and shift into a space where you're kind of like simmering, as you would put it. But it's, it's being grateful f- for the little moments that you have. And
6: God really has a sense of humor and he shows it to me time and time again. I may be on my last thing in my, in my pantry and somebody just brings a bag of grocery or mm. two, three days worth of food. Just You might say just so, but we know it's not just so. We know that it was provided.
0: Absolutely. And who provided
6: it, right? He he takes care of me. He takes care of me each and every day. But it's the lessons that he's teaching me. Mm -hmm. You know, his little rebellious child is going to learn. And age has nothing to do with it because Mm. I I have many years under my belt. Awesome. But in in terms of kingdom work, I was taking baby steps and I was taking too long with the baby steps. So the gumbo or whatever it is, the cook-up rice is coming together and ready for some good kingdom work.
0: Amen.
6: You know, and I'm not, I'm not just sitting there feeling sorry for myself. The woe is me. It's time to do do something you and I got to do for you and I, this kingdom work time.
0: I love it. Um, Shifting your mindset uh, is very important. She was in a great state of depression and now it takes her to a place of humility and being grateful. And that changes your, your state of mind. So I absolutely love it. So it's very important that you shift your mindset in order to really be where you want to be. I'm looking at it as a different perspective so it can help you through whatever you're going through. Um, So I really appreciate that. Ms. Tanja, so you are the founder and CEO of SHE Women Empowerment. How do you feel the pandemic affected women? And I know this is kind of like broad, well, a little little bit more narrow, but I just wonder what women real quick. How do you feel like it, it impacted us?
7: Well, women in general, because I want to say we like we travel for business. Um, we uh, women are many of many many hats, and being a ruse already at home, and when work is your outlet, and now you are secluded to home and you can't go nowhere, so it really affects us mentally, physically, and financially. People lost things, like, like some of the women here, they lost things, luxury stuff, and they had to start over by the grace of God. Um, mentally, some people had to go through um, different things to get their help to go to therapists, mentally and physically. Some people had got killed, got murdered. Some women committed suicide. I looked it up um, the other day, it was 16% increase during the pandemic. And when work and different things like that is your only outlet, and now you're home with these different people, and being abused, and being manipulated, and being called names that you you know you never thought would be called, and different things like that. So it really affected us really really bad to a point to, of depression and different things like that. So even though it's broad, it's it's, it's serious. So many different people that was killing themselves because I was there not once, not twice, but three times I was close to um, suicide. So I kind of felt what they was going through and I was really hurt. Some stories I did cry and stuff like that. It was just just sad. And then the kids as well, you know, even though we're not talking about kids, but yes, the kids as well.
0: Yeah, I think that we know know that it definitely was a, again, a world thing. But... I wanted to highlight women through during the pandemic and really shed light to, you know, how it, it impacted us. And you're right. A lot of people, women and children, were, you know, faced with being with a spouse or domestic partner. Um, mm-hmm. Where normally they would be spending those eight hours doing something else and having to be home. And we all know that COVID, I don't know about y'all, but being around, you know, my husband, and my children, and you're not used to that. It heightens stuff, right? It heightens the tension, especially when we were on lockdown, when we had to be in the house with them, like yes. right? When we, we had, had no choice, two, yes. and a, two and a half months with with our people, and it was like, you know, people. A lot of people got divorced. Um, like you said, being being women just that shift of responsibility and feeling like helpless and hopeless. And I can't do those things. I know a lot of women, well, traditionally a lot of women were nurses and I know that just really impacted that nursing in uh, industry. I mean, like heavy. So with the pandemic, of course it don't have a gender, But I want to take some time to uplift the the women. Um, I know men going to read this and you need to read this, men. And I know that. But for women, it's like for me, I think I'm like a glue. Did you do your, you know, I got the kids. Did you make your doctor's appointment? Did you do this? Are you drinking water? Hey, to to my dog, are you doing this right? I'm, you know, I'm everything to everybody. I know that Miss Jennifer kind of said that in her story. And it's kind of like, but who is taking care of you? Who is really taking care of you and who is restoring you during this like pandemic because it was stripping so much away. So who is restoring you? And I'll leave, we're going to talk about this Leave it on this note. This is a book that will restore you. This is a book that will help you see the light at the end of the tunnel, whether you are male or female. This is a book that will give you hope when you feel lost. That will give you some some help, some guidance when you feel like you're a failure. When you feel like I don't know what to do. I lost my mom. I lost my dad. I lost this. I went through a divorce. You know, I went through this. I had didn't have money. I had money. I lost a business. I gained a business. Every single thing that you can imagine have been written in this book. You can identify yourself in this book. So that's why this book is like one of the things that you need to like purchase five copies and hand them out to your four other friends, because it's, it's a place where I believe we are still feeling the remnants of 2020. I believe that we're going to continue to feel those things for a while I really believe that. And because of that, this is why this book is necessary right now. So Miss Rhea, I'ma have you tell about the, the event, the virtual event, and also talk about where the bestsellers, you know, just what's next for everybody and for you.
1: Well, thank you again. Ladies, you know, um, this platform here tonight was really about you guys. So I've been sitting here just loving you guys to really share your story. And this is one of the things that was very important to me with his anthology. I want to give each and every one of you this opportunity to first you know, to get comfortable with questions being asked and to really share your story and to really own this title that you are embodying right now. We all wear so many different hats. And while I know that there's some of you who are already published author, Tanja, you're one of them. You know, all of you here, as you, you know, enter into this program, you guys, you know, came in with the aspiration that I am going to become an author. And, you know, you guys actually are all now authors and you are international best-selling authors, which is amazing. And uh, this podcast is was one of the very important things that I wanted you guys to experience. And just for the listeners out there, on the 25th of June which is a Saturday, we are going to be having our VIP pre-book lunch and panel discussion. It is going to be live on Facebook and it's going to be live streaming on each and every one of the author's Facebook page, but I am going to be the main platform, Rhea Rodney. So you could just tune in on that day, put it on your calendar. On that day, these beautiful dynamic women, they are also going to be now doing their pre lunch So a pre-launch, is really, you know, the book is coming, we know it's coming, but now you're going to really have access to, to pay for this book ahead of time to make sure you can have your copy. So on that day, we are going to be doing that virtual pre-launch. They are going to be launching their websites, which is going to be the main platform where everyone could come and purchase uh, that book. So I know each and every one of these authors, they are sharing the story with their friends. So on that day, I know all of you are gonna have your your own group, your own clique, right? But then you guys will be able to also um, come before people who do not know you. So it's the opportunity for you guys to also enlarge your circle, enlarging, I should say. And the hope is on that day, Janelle, is that these ladies will be able to start to pre-order their books. But also, we are going to take it a little bit deeper. You know, right now, we're doing the podcast, and it's just like two questions. But we hope on that day that you guys can be able to share more about yourself, right? And then we could even share more about this book. Uh, Again, just to touch on this book, 2020, the year all the lemons were served, finding optimism during adversity this book features so many different stories but there is an underlying message that is so that is so clear right and it's grief Janelle grief right whether some whether we grieve that job or a loved one or, or just not being able to be with family our finances for me it was my health you know we all went through that period of griefing and even though 2020 to even now, Right, It's been two plus years with dealing with this pandemic, ideally throughout our entire life, we would have experienced different things. And what this book um, has, which I was very strategic in, is that it has 15 different stories. And I know for a fact that we all could connect with each story, but it's gonna be one that is gonna really be our ideal story that we could look at and we could say, okay, this is me. And what these stories offer is that blueprint. And these women, they laid all out. They laid their hard out. They were very transparent. So I just want to encourage the listeners and also our future readers to follow these ladies on your social media as they uh, come now to share where you can follow them. And you could follow me first off at Dara Publishing, which is my website. You could go there and learn more about me and what it is I do in this space. But I'm also on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on Twitter. And it's Dara Publishing. So once you put in Dara Publishing, you're going to find me. For my personal Facebook, it is Rhea Rodney. And currently we are just really talking about the program and I'm just bringing awareness to this anthology because I know it's going to be dynamic. It's going to really touch the heart of people. I am convinced. I am 100% convinced. And Janelle, guess what? On Saturday, we did the bestseller um, sale and we had had our sale drive. We sold three hundred and twenty copy of this book was pre-order 320 ebooks so that already tells you that you know what people are really excited and you know there's nothing that beats holding an actual physical book so I'm looking forward um for the physical copy so I just want to thank you again for all that you're doing in this space and I want to thank the ladies you guys are phenomenal and remember now we're not gonna deal with um, imposter syndrome. You guys are authors and you're not just authors, you are best-selling international authors. And that gives you guys credibility, right? That, that make people stop and listen. So make sure
0: when they listen that you
1: guys have something to say, right?
0: Well, listen, three, listen. That is a lot of books to hold <laughs> in 24 hours. So don't take this lightly. Listen, that is like major. That is amazing. So you ladies need to, I'm telling y'all, when y'all go, when y'all go somewhere tomorrow or today? Hopefully tomorrow. If they say, Hey, how are you doing? You go, I'm a best selling author. No, I'm an international best selling author. They didn't even ask that. So y'all see those things that say me, then it says nobody, right? You just mm-hmm. go around and shake your head, say, Did you know I'm a bestseller author? <laughs> Seriously. That is where you will get your credibility. People will look at you different when your resume, your CV, or, you know, whatever you have out there says, I am an international best-selling author. You will get different. I'm telling you, it knocks you into a whole different category. Now we're going to get into where we can find you. So if you can let the listener know how to connect with you, we'll start with Ms. Sonia. How can they connect with you? Where are you at on social media? I, I can be connected on Instagram uh, Facebook and
2: YouTube. On oh, live code, Sonia Whitlock and Sonia Whitlock. Okay.
0: So, Sonia Whitlock. Miss Grace, where can we connect with you?
2: Okay.
3: Right now, you can connect with me on Facebook. And it's Grace Baronia. Yeah.
0: Okay. Miss Jennifer?
4: Likewise. Right now, you can connect with me on Facebook. It's Jennifer. Miss Sharon?
5: Yes, you can find me on Facebook as Sharon Alexander. You can also find me on Instagram at ShayAlex 2022 You can find me on Twitter at ShayAlex 37 and on LinkedIn as Sharon Alexander-Oscar,
0: O-S-C-A-R. All right, thank you. Miss Beverly, where can we find you?
6: I'm Beverly D'Souza59 on Facebook.
0: All right, and then Miss Hanja, where can we find you?
7: On Facebook is her she Women's Empowerment Organization, and on Instagram is her she dot Women's Empowerment.
0: Well, there you have it. You are listening to part two of the interview. We're going to get into part three soon, um, and we are just. Very, very proud of each and every one of your authors. I know, for me, just standing back and watching this, this is amazing, and I really think this is needed. Like we need to go to the churches and we need to go to other places to kind of pass out books or put them in bookstores and all that stuff. That's just me because I think that it will really hit home to a lot of people. People, so Miss Ray, you did it again. I'm super proud of you. Um, you sharing your vision, ladies. Thank you so much for being here, and listeners, thank you so much again for tuning in to pick my book podcast where we have candid conversations with authors i am your host dr janelle jones and thank you for joining thank you for tuning in to pick my brain podcast a candid conversation with authors be sure to check out each author's information social media sites and webpage so you can learn more about what's next for them again thank you and we will see you next episode